everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul, and I'm joined here by one of my favorite, one of the most recurring guests on the show. Reintroduce yourself, sir. Hey, everybody. It's Jake, a.k.a. Mr. Lostpedia. And I'm hoping that name comes into play because I'm going to test you on this episode, Jake. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> uh, today, we will be discussing the episode Enter 7-7, and Jake... Loves this episode, apparently. We were just talking about it briefly before we got started. Uh, yeah, you just learned this, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, to be fair, I often think of this episode and I'm just like not that keen on it. And again, this may be one of those ones because it was like middle of season three. I'm not so keen on the flashbacks. A lot of the on-island stuff is pretty good. We find out. I mean, I, I could get why you like it. Dharma Station. I like it because, you know, find out more about the others. So I get it, but there's just certain things where I'm just like, I wouldn't rank it top 10, maybe not even top 20, personally. Gotcha. No, the flashbacks, I will I will say, are, are crap. And this is something that we've discussed and you've discussed with other people as well, is that they were hitting those kind of lulls where um, they would take a character like, like Saeed, for instance, and all the flashbacks that we've really seen previous of Saeed are all about him trying to find Nadia or you know something Nadia-related. And then you've got this flashback, which actually has nothing to do with Nadia, um, or his journey to, to get her or anything like that. And the flashbacks kind of blah, you know, um, and we've talked about that a lot where like, you know, you have Jack where, um, all his flashbacks had Christian Shepard. And then, uh, we had the stranger in a strange land, which has nothing to do with his dad or Christian Shepard. And then those were crap or, uh, other care lock. You know, we talked about further instructions lock. I had all the crap with his dad. And then you had this, uh, the commune episode and it just sucked. And then, uh, here we have another example of that. So I, I say throw the flashbacks out. The rest of the episode on Island is fantastic. It is. There is one part that I'm just like kind of, it, I don't know, it seems a little strange to me, uh, but we'll get there. It's It has to do with uh, Rousseau. Um, so okay. if, if I don't remember, I'm hoping you will and you can remind me so when we get to, to that. Um, sure. But yeah, so we... We'll be discussing the episode Enter 7-7. And I do got to say, and and I've referenced it before in terms of time, one of my favorite uh, instances of how time works on the island. Well, not on the island, but more how time works within the show gets brought up in this episode. And I remember watching it the first time through. And just being, and I actually made a note about it, uh, and it's one note specifically for Kevin, and I'll get there, but uh, yeah, no, there's, uh, it, it was, I, I remember watching it the first time, and I was just like, oh, I see what they're doing, they're setting it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's with the uh, Sawyer and Hurley storyline, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, do we want to just get started? I'm ready when you are. Okay, here we go. We start out with Sawyer watching some of the others carrying a ping pong table. When he asks where it's from, Hurley tells him Jin found it and that they've made legs and paddles and they only need a ball. Sawyer doesn't understand how it was found and they have a humorous exchange about the hatch exploding or imploding. And I wrote, it's never quite made clear. And we've actually talked about that on the show previously. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't remember if it was you. I know that I've talked about it with a few other people. The fact that like sometimes they say it exploded. Sometimes they say it imploded. Stuff somehow got thrown everywhere. But then there's a small crater. 
So it doesn't. We we definitely talked about that. It was the further instructions episode where they stumble upon the crater, and um, they they use the word implosion there, and we were like, "That's it." Like, because <laughs> that crater was so small, yet we, we know the hatch that has a bunch of hallways, other rooms, and it, that crater seemed just way too tiny. But uh, you're right, they, they throw the, the words, it's usually implosion, but they definitely are, are confused whether it really imploded or exploded. And it's, it's interesting because when I was looking uh, something up, I was actually looking something up on Lostpedia about this episode. And uh, this one was actually, if I'm not mistaken, this one was actually written by Damon and Carlton. So I'm kind of wondering if they put that in there specifically because they were like, well, you know, we, we, we kind of know that it's it's a thing out, at least at the time, you know, it was a thing out there of like, do they, uh, you know, did it implode? Did it explode? And maybe they, I think maybe they just put that in there to kind of point out to to the smart fans like, hey, you know, we, we get it. We, we didn't clear it up enough. <laughs> Do you think it was like a Scott Steve sort of thing too, where they'll just like, yeah, are we ever going to get it right? Probably not. You know, <laughs> I, I believe it or not. And there's a little side story. I referenced Scott, Steve and you at my job the other day, believe it or not. Oh. <laughs> um, there was something I don't remember what was happening, but this goes back to uh, several things that we've talked about on this show. We talk about it many times just in various aspects of things in our friendship. We talked about it a lot in Hawaii. Um, something was going on. I, I, I truly don't remember what it was, but something was going on, and I was explaining how on Lost there are the characters of Scott and Steve, and one of them died, and after a certain point, none of the characters could remember, the writers couldn't really remember, and it got to the point where they just started saying, you know, no, that's Scott. The first name that dead. came to mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it was just, and it just became like, no, Scott's dead, no, Steve's dead, whatever. And uh, and I remember a quote that I've I've since borrowed from you, and I, I do tend to attribute it to you a lot. And this is where it came up: was I said, I said my friend Jake, he has a thing where he always says, "Rule number one: never remember." And again, I don't remember what was going on at work, but it was something. And I'm just like, "Rule number one: never remember." <laughs> So uh, I've incorporated that into my my everyday life. So awesome! I love it. So thank you for that. Love it. Um. Okay. Anyway, uh, Hurley eventually says that he all he knows is that the sky turned purple. He doesn't ask more questions than that. He makes a salad and moves on. And I wrote, "Good to see he's sticking with a diet. Good continuity there." It is, and it's really. In a, a slight way, a good uh, is homage the word I want to use? Not really homage, but call back to just Libby, I guess, that um, he is sticking with that diet because it's something that Libby really wanted him to do. You know, it, it's super easy for people to fall back on bad habits if they don't have that right person pushing them or they go through a trauma of some sort. So it would have been super easy for Hurley to just be like, you know, the girlfriend that, you know, the only girl that ever loved me died and to jump right back into food and heavy eating and stuff. It would have been super easy for him to do. Maybe you couldn't even blame him for it, but he decided to actually, uh, I kind of honor, there we go, honor her memory by sticking to this diet that she was really uh, trying to push him into. 
Absolutely. And I think actually in terms of, I want to say the previous episode where he visits her grave, it's it's really nice that they are kind of keeping that alive in terms of it was her that was trying to help him be better. And like you said, even now that she's gone, he still wants to be a better person to to honor her and presumably to just better himself as well. So I really like that. I don't know if we get any mention. I can't remember if we get any mentions of it after this, but I like the fact that just even if it's just this kind of one-off reference it's like oh yeah that was a thing and we you know the writers did remember it at least for a little bit yeah it definitely caught my attention uh when i when i first saw that i'm like salad like because at first i was like hurley's not a salad guy and i'm like oh yeah but libby kind of pushed him towards being a salad guy right Sawyer then asks if Hurley's seen Kate, and Hurley comments that he's surprised that she's not back yet. He goes on to ask someone else about a ball, and Sawyer gets distracted by Paolo reading a magazine, Guns and Ammo. Paolo says he got it from the magazine stack and that they share things now. Sawyer calls him Zorro and says that it was in his stuff before everyone decided to have a party when they thought he was dead. Paolo calls him a hillbilly and says that he can take it back if he wants. But as Sawyer goes to, he notices Paolo was also carrying toilet paper, implying that it was a pot reed. And Sawyer is disgusted and tells him to keep it before walking away. Did you ever hear the nickname for Paolo? Paolo poops a lot. No, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I read it on Lostpedia too, but I definitely saw it maybe once or twice out there on the web. But like, there's this scene here. And then in the cost of living, in when, the, they're when they're in, in the pearl, in the pearl, he comes out of the bathroom. Like you know, like people were like, "Wow, there's a lot of scenes that are Paulo and bathroom related." So uh, the nickname Paulo Pusalot came out from that. I have an issue with this, okay? Because like my sure. name is way too close, so I don't want that <laughs> sticking around. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't know. Stop using the bathroom or something, I guess. <laughs> well, since I eat better, I go more than once a week. So it's, we're, we're okay. I mean, it, oh, it, it could become my nickname, I guess, but I don't want it to. No, internet, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets a nickname. I mean, like mine, you know, Mr. Lostpedia, you got the guy, Paul poops a lot. You know, I'm the it, voice of choice. <laughs> Oh, sure. (laughs) I'm the one who gives the nicknames. Let me at least choose my own. (laughs) All your guests are going to now revolt and just, we're all calling it. All right, fellow fellow guests that listen to this podcast, I am putting out the announcement. This is going to get cut anyways. This is the best part. Please start calling him Paul Poops a lot. In my head, I'm debating whether to cut this for real, because there's a part of me that knows that it's really funny and I shouldn't yeah. cut it. But I guess we'll see when this goes. I put on. out the call to action to all fellow guests. This is me like blowing the 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 shell, the conch, and calling all my fellow lost with friends guests. We need to band together to do this. I'll find I out. I'll find out in a day or two from from when this episode goes up. I'll get a text from Jake saying, "Yay, you left it in!" Or, "Come on, man, that was funny." So, or you're gonna get yeah, I'm and I'll get a uh, bunch of texts saying, "Ha ha ha, Polly poops a lot." Yep. <laughs> oh boy. 
elsewhere, Saeed, Kate, Locke, and Danielle are walking through the jungle. Saeed says he wants to eat, but Locke is only concerned that they're still following the compass bearing. Saeed confirms that they are, and they have an exchange where Saeed believes that it's foolish to take numbers from a carving on a stick as a bearing, and that it'll just happen to lead them right to the others. Locke says he doesn't know what they'll happen upon, but right now, it's all they have. And I wrote, again... Two, it's very Twin Peaks to me. But as I was as I was writing these notes, I also thought about um, at one point when Lisa was on, and I don't remember if it stayed in the episode or not. But you and me and her, and, and actually uh, we've talked about this quite a bit in general. The fact that characters tend not to necessarily believe Saeed, but like she said many times, she believes Saeed is almost the backbone of the show because almost everything that he said turned out to be right. And as I was taking these notes, I'm just like, this is one where he was like, at least in the first part of this, just like, and I mean, it's been a few episodes where he just keeps laughing off the fact that like, a piece of scripture on Echo's stick would be a compass bearing. And he's just like, yeah, right. Oh, it's going to lead us to the others. And of course, what ends up happening in this episode, he's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, uh, I wrote down the note. I was like, Saeed's skepticism. And then I put the words man of science, man of faith next to it. I've, uh, I've, I've wondered a a lot. You know, I, I always try to group, people uh, at least the lost characters into either the man of faith or the man of science column you know sometimes of course the characters can blend a bit of both so like saeed sometimes i feel like he does kind of believe in a sort of fate or destiny he talks about it a little bit in the greater good when he meets his uh old college buddy and they do that uh start to do that terrorist attack sort of thing and then um but then like here he definitely doesn't have Locke's faith and right. that this is what they're supposed to do. Um, so, I, like I said, uh, Saeed seems to blend a little bit. I always try to group them, but I always can't. Well, see, I think I, I I think that's a good thing about a character, though. If you can't necessarily like pigeonhole them into one thing, that's one of those things. In terms of how we were talking and how we've talked previously about the flashbacks, and we wish the characters would grow. Like to me, that's a, a sign of the character's growth. And like uh, Andy always points it out about Jack, the fact that you know he it's that's why he that's why Jack is his favorite character is because from the beginning of the series to the end of the series he's done a complete 180 of who he is and that's one thing one of the very few things that I do like about Jack is that character growth because at least they're not just the same you know if if, if you're in season by season even season three if you're the same exact character you were in season one like Sawyer goes through it in this episode basically over this little arc Uh, of episodes and he always tries to go back to I'm the guy who needs everybody to hate me I'm you know going to use the nicknames I'm going to get on people because they're always stealing my stuff whenever I'm away and blah 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 but they like all of them know that that's not who he actually is Mm -hmm. so it's to the point where it shows a good character growth and that's what i like so i actually i mean it may not work for your uh columns of characters but i actually like that about saeed i guess yeah and i guess it just works with saeed because uh i think it's i think it is good to have that blend or something like that because if he was hardcore lock then it wouldn't make you know the the two of them together you know i mean then it would just be too perfect in a way i guess like that or if he was hardcore jack then it would just lead to them straight up 
fighting, you know, like, you know, arguing or actually fisticuffs, who knows. But for Saeed to, of course, be like, yeah, I'm going to need a little more solid than a carving on a stick. But he might still kind of believe in a fate or destiny sort of thing. Open minded, I guess he'd be he'd be way more open minded than an extreme than a lock or a jack. Yeah. So, yeah, I like I, I don't mind him being in the middle as well. Yeah. Saeed then says that he's going to get some food, and when he gets back, they're going to have a rational conversation about their next move. As he leaves, the rattle of a cowbell is heard, and we see a cow in the jungle. A man whistles, and the cow follows to the sound follows the sound to a house with a barn. The man is the same man with the eye patch we saw on the TV in the Pearl Station. We'll soon find out his name is Mikhail. Yes, badass name. Yes. Maybe not necessarily one of my favorite characters, but definitely a character that I really like because he gets a lot of uh, sarcastic one-liners in there, and I really like that about characters. He's very much... He doesn't have... Yeah, he he gets some good one-liners. There's the fact that uh, he goes through a lot. Like We talk about Ben being the most beat-up character on TV, which is true, but Mikhail goes through quite a lot himself. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think he was, uh, you know, obviously he's a clear bad guy, but it wasn't like a picket where everybody was just like, Jesus Christ, kill him. Like, you know, like people were like, yeah, we could do a little more Mikhail. Like we didn't mind him being on screen. We knew maybe something bad was going to happen, but it was going to be kind of an exciting bad. And uh, he, he's a yeah, likable like, bad like, guy versus he is a likable bad guy. Like, yeah. Like Ben or, or any of the rest of them versus like Pickett, who's just like a really douchey bad guy. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But it's funny, like you said about the fact that, like, he's a bad guy, but uh, they talk about it a little later in the episode, uh, him and Miss Clue, and it's funny, and, and we've we've all talked about it in just conversations, previous episodes it's been on, and how, like, we say he's a bad guy, but he probably doesn't see himself as a bad guy, because they always, the others always see themselves as good guys, and so no matter what they're doing you know whether they're shutting out you know our losties their survivors whatever you want to call them uh they always feel that it's for their own good and basically for the good of the island and for the good of jacob so it's interesting how we always say like oh yeah there he's a bad guy or whatever but that's only because we see it from our survivors point of view and uh I, it makes me think of a quote that will come up a little later on this season uh, relating to Mikhail, actually, again, where it, it's uh, uh, Desmond says, well, you know, last time I checked, the survivors have killed more of the others than the others have killed the survivors. And so, like, if you looked, if you were like, all right, I want to compare good versus bad based on body counts. Well, the survivors aren't looking too good in that column. So you're right. The definition of good and bad uh, it happens in a lot of things, not just Lost 2, where the bad guy always thinks they're doing good. Um, it just always sometimes goes about, like, how do you do good? Or, like, I mean, like, how do you achieve your objective? You want a good objective, but are you slaughtering people to get there? Or, like, you know, what kind of well, it's, uh, good It's interesting it? that you say that, like, that quote, and, and I often think about that as well. And uh, a few episodes ago, I w- we were just talking about how uh, when... Tom is there talking with Jack and Jack lists like all the bad things 
you know, like taking, kidnapping Claire, uh, like Ethan kidnapping Claire, hanging Charlie from a tree, all that sort of stuff. And like Tom even, uh, I believe it was Kevin said, Tom even gives a look where it's like, oh, when you say it all like that, it does sound pretty bad, you know? But like, <laughs> but it is that sort of thing of depending on your outlook and what you're going to put in that list of bad things. Because, you know, like you could say like, yeah, okay, he did all of that stuff. And then Charlie uh, within like an episode or two, just like shot him X number of times with zero remorse. And like, is that on par? Like, does do those like three or four things that Ethan did equate to the killing of Ethan? Like, you know what I mean? It all depends on your outlook. Exactly. And then of course it's, it, it's their outlook, but then their reasoning. Like, you know, if you were to sit Ethan and Charlie down, like, okay, why did you do what you do? Ethan is just, well, you know, I, I believe that the pregnancy issues are a big deal. I want to know more about it. I was going to experiment with Claire to maybe help my people in their pregnancy issues. And you're like, all right, Charlie, what did you, why did you do what you do? And he's like, well, you know, Ethan was uh, doing these tests that were, uh, Claire didn't give consent to do or anything like that. Or, you know, he, uh, killed Scott, you know, I mean like, you know, or Steve, whoever they killed. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, he did these bad things. So like it, it's their, it's their overall objective, but it's almost like, you know, again, how did, how are you going to get there? Are you going, you know, I don't know. Cause here's the thing, like Ethan, you almost get a choice too, when you decide to, go towards that objective. So if Ethan was like, well, I wanted to help my people get over this pregnancy thing. Okay, sure. And you think Claire's going to be the answer. Okay. But like, what if you just talk to Claire? Like, yeah, was, you know, like, was there you no other choices. options? <laughs> yeah, you had two choices. You could either kidnap her, run these tests without her consent, and scare the living daylights out of her. Or you can just say, like, hey, here's what my people are going through. We're super interested in what you're going through. Let's chit-chat. Like, you know, I don't, you know. I, oh, that's one know. of those things you see all the time. I, I saw that uh, not long after Lost finished where it was, like, how it should have ended. And it was basically that thing. And I've talked about it where, you know, like, the plane crashes. And basically it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's all in, like, cartoon form. And a guy just comes out and basically explains the entirety of the six seasons before he's like, okay, so now you have to make a choice. Are you going to protect this? You know, now you know everything about the island. Are you going to protect it or are you not? And it's just like that. And they were like, that's how it should have ended. But it's like you can't just have that. I mean, I understand your point, and you're like, in theory, you're right. But of course, for good TV, you can't just drama. have <laughs> it's a and drama. I, you got to stretch it. Yeah, out. <laughs> and I mean, as somebody who loves like teen dramas or like basically soap opera type stuff, like there are so many times where I'm watching like you know a, a teen show or like Grey's Anatomy or something where like all these characters are like, oh well, I'm not going to tell that person this thing or like I'm going to manipulate this. And I mean, it happens on Lost a little bit too, where I'm just like. Every problem can be solved if you just get everybody in a room and just lay it all out there. But like that, I mean, I know like on one level, like that can't happen, but like it just, I'm just like, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually that same way. I, uh, oh, I didn't get to tell you this before the podcast started. Uh, my girlfriend is got me into once upon a time. So we are uh, just starting season three tonight, but like, again, there's so many issues or something that could be, if they just killed off one character, I won't spoil anything to anybody who's thinking about watching or whatever, but if they just killed off one character, the bad guy, like everything could be solved. (laughs) Or so you would think. 
At least, yes. Yeah. But no, for drama, you keep it going. So and we're just at that point in in our rewatches that I've talked about it many times. Easy solution. It's that, yeah, we it's have that we critical are, thinking thing. Well, that critical thinking, and but it's it's gone to the point where just like, well, gosh darn it, like you know, this could all been wrapped up in half a season, you know. Like, <laughs> And it really could have. It could have. Now, when when we're watching this for the first and for the second time, we're hanging on to every word, and and we want more of it. We're like, yes, we can't wait for next week's episode. But I'm like, you know, they could have cut off five episodes if they just would have made a left instead of a right. Yep. And there's actually there actually is something again. Uh, well, okay, so we were on. Uh, Rousseau and, and the next time because we're actually going to go back to Sawyer and Hurley in a moment but I'll just say it now the, the, when we go back to Rousseau they decide okay they're going to approach the barn right and she's just like okay well I'm going to I'm gonna go over here and I'll wait by the stream and then she's just gone this whole episode and so basically the previous episode we built up well not built up but like we had about two or three scenes and then we had gunfire at the end and we had this huge almost cliffhanger moment of Kate where she's just like, you got you, uh, uh, Saeed and Locke, you're not motivated enough to go get Jack. And I understand, but so I'm out here to get somebody who is motivated. And then there's the shots and then Rousseau comes out and Kate's just like, Oh girl, help me. And I, I'm pretty sure she's your daughter. And it's just like this huge moment of like, okay. Cause you know, uh, Saeed and Locke are in at this point. Cause they're not like, they're the leaders pretty much. And they're not going to be like, okay, well, Kate and, and Rousseau, you go off like they, want to be the leaders the heroes they want and they want to be in charge so they want to go off and and do the a-team mission but so we have that huge moment where it's just like okay the at you know part of the a-team is back they're going to go on this thing and rousseau is there and she's going to join them and then the very next episode something happens and they go off on like this smallest detour which lasts them this entire episode where she's just like I don't want to get involved in stuff like this like you know get back to me when you're ready to go on the main mission again <laughs> you know and I'm yes. just Yes like... okay so we you know you mentioned earlier that you know I enjoyed this episode for you know a couple reasons and another uh, reason I like it I like season 3 a lot and I one of the reasons I like season 3 is because it has uh in my mind three clear arcs and like I, I think of them as chapters. And so, uh, in my opinion, chapter two, which is uh, getting Jack back, the the mission mission for Jack and getting him back to camp and stuff, it starts at the end of that last episode where yeah, they get Rousseau. And when you see that, like you said, the buildup is there. You got uh, Locke, you got Saeed, you've got Kate and Russo, four badass characters that could just do hella damage. And whatever they decide to do. And and then, yes, Russo just tries to stay as much out of it as possible. Now, granted, she does have her reasoning of, I'm just here for my daughter. If my daughter's not in the, in that barn or, or with Mikhail, then I don't care. And it's like, uh, be, a, be a team player. Like, you know, oh, see, like, I'm, be a team player then. Oh, like, see, I'm in disagreement. Go help them out. Oh, see, I'm in disagreement because, like, I'm actually on her side in this because like to me like you okay I'll, I'll i totally get that the chapters thing but like mm-hmm. to me this like it's like the okay so that was the end of chapter one beginning of chapter two was the previous episode and like yes. it seems like not this episode but the next episode really should be the begin like the the continuation or the beginning of chapter two because it's almost like this one doesn't have 
It does because, like, yeah, they get the maps and they find out about the barracks and stuff. But really, they go off on this. Like, it's like when you're. I mean, I don't know because I haven't played video games in oh god years. But like, it's when you're when you're on like a, a mission in a video game, a and, side like, quest. Yeah, exactly. And like you're on a little thing, and like you're on whatever mission as long as it's not timed. And then like you see a little something, but then like after a certain point, a character will come up to you and go, "Oh, hey, remember you're supposed to be, you know, if like you're Mario, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be getting Prince." peach back or whatever and it's like oh right that is my main mission and like this to me is like a little side quest where i mean yes it ends up being needed because like i said they get the they get the explosives yep, and, and they get all the that difference. stuff but like it just seems like such a thing and so like that's why i'm kind of in agreement with her where i'm just like yeah no like let's get back to the real shit like let's get let's let's go get jack back seeing this guy with a cow it, it at the moment I'm in agreement with her because like it doesn't seem like it's it's a necessary piece of the the overall mission of chapter two, you know, get Jack back. Yes, and, and like I said, I I get her part too. Is is that she doesn't want to get involved in something that could affect seeing Alex again? You know, like she, she says that I I stayed alive because I avoided these people for so long. I, I get that for your health and for your safety. You don't want to inv- get involved with something that could potentially. Do, do you harm before you see Alex? But, like, the action part of me wants is, like, many... Just, just again, these, I, I said these characters are badass. They, they are. Like, they do some awesome stuff throughout the series, whether it's fights, uh, explosions, whatever the case. I don't know. I just would have liked to see them more, you know, teamwork makes the dream work sort of thing. Uh, but I get Russo. Like, I'm not totally mad at, at Russo for doing what she did. Um, I, I can roll with it either way. I don't think it makes a, a, a horrible episode or, or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I just wish she would have been more involved, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can understand that, yeah. Back on the beach, Sawyer is talking with Hurley and the survivors and shows them a ball he found, but pulls it away as Hurley goes to take it. Sawyer mentions after, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't write down everything he said, but he said about, you know, like, oh, going out of business sale and all this other stuff. But basically, he says how he wants his stuff back, and Nikki tells him that it wasn't his to begin with. He says it was when he took it. He asks who she even is and says that he'll play them for it. Hurley questions if he means if he means to play ping pong. Sawyer, calling him Avalanche, confirms by saying that if they put up their best player one game, he'll play for his stuff. When he wins, they all give him his stuff back. Hurley asks what happens if he loses. Sawyer is too cocky to think this will happen, but tells them they can decide what his punishment will be. After Sun and Jin exchange words in Korean, and Sawyer calls them Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon, Sun says no nicknames for anyone for a week. Charlie and everyone else is in agreement, as is Sawyer. He tells them they have an hour to pick a player, and then he'll play. And I remember watching this and being aware of how time works on this show, and I remember how thinking one week could mean several episodes of the show. And this is my note for Kevin. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I did listen to that episode. I do know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> or I think did we talk about this on our own episode or something? I, yeah, that we I did. We was, did. I'm not yeah. Portland. Yeah, I was there for it. Okay, Jake. They're all blending together now. But that's why I always say I never remember what made it in the episode or not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, you've had to listen to so much footage. Oh dear. But 
but yeah, so that was that was what I foreshadowing. <laughs> and that was what I remember because, like, because of the fact that I I realized at a certain point because uh, I've talked about it many times because I got into the show a little late. I had read a few things, and I remember that the first because it was only four seasons at that point. The first four seasons took place within the first hundred something days, and. Uh, and I remember going like, oh, how is that possible? And then I finally got it. You know, at the beginning of season three, he says, uh, Ben says to him, uh, to Jack about that. It's only been like 70 days, something like that. And I'm just like, how is this possible? And we, of course, we see that from various aspects. And then so I remember when when I finally got to this one and they say one week and I'm just like, all right, that's going to be like the next uh, six episodes or so. <laughs> this is going to be great. They're really going to stretch this out. Yes. <laughs> right. Back at the barn house, which we'll eventually learn is the Dharma station, the flame. Saeed is checking it out. He and Locke are talking about the house and Saeed says that he circled the house and nothing but jungle surrounds it. Locke asks if the satellite dish that they spotted still works and Saeed says a dish of that size would be able to broadcast for thousands of miles and he then asks danielle if this is the radio tower that she once mentioned but she says that she's never seen this place before kate asks about the man inside and saeed says they saw him on the screen in the pearl station and that there's only one way to find out who he is and he hands kate his gun she asks him what he's doing and he mentions that he's going in unarmed so mikhail won't feel threatened but in case he is cover him Danielle starts to leave before Kate asks where she's, uh, yeah, where Danielle is going. And Danielle says she survived this long on her own by avoiding situations just like this one. She'll wait by the stream to continue their journey if any of them make it out alive. And of course, that's what we talked about moments ago. Mm-hmm. In flashback, Saeed is working as a chef named Najiv. In Arabic, he's told that someone wants to speak to him. Out front, the man, Sammy, asks if he cooked the food. He says it's delicious and introduces himself. Saeed introduces himself as Najiv and thanks him for the compliment. Sammy asks where he's from, and Saeed says he's from Syria, but Sammy doesn't believe this. He then tells him that he knows that he's uh, Iraqi, just like Sammy himself. Saeed gets defensive and asks what Sammy wants. Sammy says that Najiv is a good cook and wants to hire him at twice his pay to come work in his restaurant. Saeed questions all of this based on a single meal, but Sammy says it's because they're both outsiders and because his chef just quit. And I was looking it up. Uh, I was looking up the transcript of this episode. This is one of the many uh, things. I didn't write it down in my notes, but according to Lostpedia, apparently whatever he says, like whatever he said about like, oh, they're both uh, outsiders or whatever, it was at, mm-hmm. or no, uh, you know, you're from... You're from uh, Iraq, just like I am. I guess there's the the quote is slightly different when it's translated. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're earning your Mister Lostpedia uh, title. Yes. <laughs> he um, says, "I swear, my brother, it's very clear to me that you're Iraqi, like me." Okay. Back on the island, Saeed is walking towards the flame with his hands up, and he notices a gray cat. A shot is fired, and Saeed falls to the ground. Kate goes to move, but Locke stops her, saying to wait or she may be shot as well. Mikhail yells from inside that he didn't cross the line, a truce was had, this is his land, and he was told he could stay. 
Saeed yells that Mikhail is confused. He is Saeed, and he was on a plane that crashed months ago. He tells Mikhail that he's unarmed, and Mikhail yells for him to stay there. Now, at this, I mean, I know it happens very fast. As someone who was watching the show and as someone who's obsessed with all of this stuff, what were you thinking at this moment when you first watched it? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I saw some promotional stills for it. So like I, uh, they didn't really show too much of it, but like you could see that he had a, uh, a Dharma patch on his jumpsuit. So like, I definitely was like, okay, Dharma's involved with this episode, you know, and, um, and yeah, there was the, the whole identification of him being the last member of the Dharma initiative, which I think was even in the preview, the promo for the episode, if I remember, but, um, I, I was just hanging on to every word, you know, I didn't, I didn't care either way, you know, either he's telling the truth and we're going to learn maybe more about Dharma. Maybe he is lying. He's an other. We may learn about the others. I was like, wherever this goes, I win because I like Dharma, especially Dharma stations. We were going to be in one. And then I like the others as well. So it's a win-win for me. I'm just here for the ride at this point. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I, I mean, realistically, was. I, mean, I was the exact same way because, I mean, I'm not necessarily as a, a big, of, I mean, not that I, not that I don't like Dharma, but I know that's, that's one of your things is you're, you're huge into Dharma stations and we've talked about that a lot, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I remember that I was really big into the others and the mythology of the show. And uh, when I, again, when I was getting into it, I, I remember having read somewhere like season one was about the, you know, establishing who the characters were and about the, you know, the aftermath of the plane crash. Season two was about the hatch. Season three was going to, or was about the others. And then season four was, you know, about them getting off the island. So I remember going into season three, I was like, and of course I was a little naive when I was first watching it. Like I should have known by season three, like, okay, they're not actually going to answer anything just yet. But in my mind, there was that part of me that was like all right we're gonna get some answers about the others and about the mythology and all this sort of stuff so i was like i was hyped because like you said either way whether he was dharma that's part of the mythology of the show or whether he was another i'm like we're really gonna get some answers out of this guy if he's if he really is another so i was like like you said it was a win-win yeah as mikhail leaves his window to go outside Uh, Locke and Kate approach and shots are fired again. Locke yells for Mikhail to drop his weapon and back up. Mikhail questions if they crashed as well, and Saeed says that over 40 of them did. Locke volunteers to go inside and check out the home first. Kate asks Mikhail who he is, and he introduces himself as Mikhail Bakunin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right. Uh, the last living member of the Dharma Initiative. And I want to say that name, the, f- the first name and the surname, much like uh, Hume, Desmond Hume, and, and uh, but I believe the first name and the surname are uh, a scientist, which tends to be a thing like on this show. But I want to say it's, it's a scientist or a philosopher or something like there that. There you go. It's a, a philosopher, but it's a, an anarchist philosopher. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he the the real Mikhail was a proponent of anarchism and the questioning of authority, which is actually ironic considering Mikhail is very loyal to his people. Right. Or is it ironic or is it coincidence? We have to ask Kevin. I don't know. Moments later, Kate and Mikhail help Saeed into the house and Mikhail attends to Saeed's wound. 
Uh, Saeed questions if he has experience with gunshots, and I'm always thinking, of course he does, because everyone on this show does, somehow, someway. (laughs) (laughs) None of them ever actually get injured when they get hit in the head countless times. I mean, Ben shows some injuries, but he never has, like, like, none of them ever have, like, permanent brain damage, and everyone knows how to treat a gunshot wound on Lost. That's, like, the two main things. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But Mikhail mentions how he was in Afghanistan in field medicine with the Soviet army, and he tells Kate to get his medical kit. She's hesitant to leave him alone, but Saeed reassures her. Saeed asks how he got there and to tell them about the Dharma Initiative. Mikhail says he grew up in Kiev, joined the Soviet army, and was stationed at a listening post. After the Cold War, he was dismissed and wanted to do good after years of doing bad. He replied to a newspaper advertisement, Would you like to save the world, it said. They were very secretive, very rich, and very smart. Said asks when he came to the island, and Mikhail says it was 11 years ago. He likes computers and being alone, so they put him in this station, the Flame. Said asks what its purpose was, and Mikhail confirms that it's to communicate with the outside world. This was my put-down-the-phone moment. You know, I mean, again, it was one of those things, like, if he's... If he is Dharma, then he's most likely telling the truth. If he's not Dharma, then maybe some of the stuff is a lie, maybe not, you know. But at the same time, it was like, learn as much as, you know, it was, I was talking to myself here. I was like, Jake, you learn as much as you can here. Like, remember as much as you possibly can, because if it is true, then you've just learned I don't want to say a lot, a lot, but you've definitely learned about Mikhail's backstory a bit. And then you've also learned about this Dharma station, you know? Yeah. So that was my put down the phone moment was this whole explanation from Mikhail. Okay. Not only that too, um, it, it definitely, and Lost is very good about this. I've noticed it in a couple other situations where the story is very similar to Calvin's about the whole save the world sort of thing. And so you're like, Oh yeah, you know, we've heard this before, from Calvin, who was a member of the Dharma Initiative running the Swan Station. And so, yeah, you know, maybe Mikhail is telling the truth. And, you know, he was Dharma. Uh, They do that. They, like, um, Goodwin. Or no, sorry, Nathan, on the other 48 days. Nathan says he's from Canada, and that makes us think, like, oh, shit. You know, Ethan said he was from Canada, too. He must be another, you know, but, of course, it always turns out to be the opposite, but... Lost does that. I like that. I, I didn't write it down, but yeah, I, I did think about that. The fact that, you know, would you like to save the world? That's almost word for word what uh, what Kelvin said and Redzinski yeah. and all, you know, what they've what they've said and whatever. And it's not that I'm like, oh, it's an unanswered question that I really want or something like that. But uh, basically, um, uh, you know, the fact that, like, where did... Mikhail learn that phrase exactly to be able to 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 then repeat it to to try to keep up this ruse to say like you know like how like how did he know unless that was like in a lot of their like uh materials like we find you know we see later on that there's like the operations manual or something like that so unless that's like their slogan you know Dharma's slogan I, I kind of wonder where he uh where he learned that phrase of like, oh, if you know, in case anything ever happens, like if if Danielle ever comes or if anybody strange ever comes, like, and you know, he need he knows that he needs to have this ruse of I'm from the Dharma Initiative, because I would assume that's standard others training that they go through, which is you know like how to lie and all that sort of stuff, and we know that that a lot of them have that because they 
do blend in very easily. It's just like how they, you know, I think they have a class on how to not leave a trail in the jungle and how to get from place to place so quickly. Like there just has to be these classes that you take when you first become an other, I think. And so one of them would be like how to come up with a, a good backstory. So I wonder where, where and when that fits in with, you know, him learning that's, that was a Dharma phrase. And so make sure that this is part of your, your story and just weave in these, these truths with these lies, you know? Well, I'm content with actually believing that because uh, we know that the others would sometimes recruit for people from off Island. You know, they recruited Juliet from off Island. So maybe they, the others did put an advertisement, just like what Mikhail says. And it said, do you want to save the world? And the others were like, eh, let's just see who applies. You know, if we well, like no, them, we like them. If we don't, we don't. So you so think it maybe... was just coincidence that they used the same phrasing that that we know that like Kelvin and Radzinski used for, and of course Desmond used it because they used it. That it's one of the same kind of catchphrases that Dharma used. You think it's just coincidence? Well, we know that there fate? are Dharma Initiative members in the others, so maybe it was just like a. Uh, it was left over or something like that. Like, oh, well, Dharma was using an advertisement that said, do you want to save the world? Why not just keep it? Like, why not we use it as well? You know, or okay. uh, maybe the guy who put the ad is now another. Who knows? And he was like, hey, when I was in Dharma, I used to put these ads and I said, do you want to save the world? I can do that for you guys again. And they're like, sure. But like, I, I can I can believe that the others put that advertisement in there. Uh, or it was left over from Dharma days or something like that, but um, that they just use that as a recruiting technique. Again, we'll see who applies. If we like them, we like them. If we don't, we don't. Okay. Elsewhere in the station, Locke walks past a computer, which prompts him if he's ready to play and to type Y uh, for yes or N for no, as seems to be standard on Dharma computers. A computer voice then verbalizes this question. Locke hits Y, and a chess game pops up before telling Locke it's his turn. Have you ever played chess? Uh, attempted. I kind of got it. I, don't, I never, I never, never, rule number one, I never remember what to do with the knight. If it's two one way, one the other, one to two, I don't remember. Nor do I, I have no intention on really playing chess, but I have tried to play it in the past, yeah. When I was, I've never played it on the computer either. When I mean, in the old like Windows days, you know, when there would be like the pinball game that you could play yes. or whatever. Like Gosh, there was like pinball. <laughs> there was like a chess game, and I remember trying it, and I I couldn't I couldn't get it. I there was at one point in my life where I did know how to play chess, and I wasn't good, but I was you know. I could play, which, I mean, you know, whatever that means. But, yeah, no, I, I did know how to – I've completely forgot all of that knowledge, but I actually did know how to play a, a full game of chess as long as the other person knew. Like, I couldn't teach somebody, but as long as the mm-hmm. other person knew, I was fully able to play. But that was like, yep. oh, God, years ago, which in terms – according to you would mean like dinosaur times. Dinosaur times when it was like – Windows 32, and you were like, yes. <laughs> Did you think the computer cheated, too? 
Is that what you thought? No, like you I just win against the computer. Or are you just like I suck at this? <laughs> it was it was more just I suck at this. I I guess I'm not as good as I as I thought, and probably because I was in like elementary school at that point. So like basically anybody that I was playing with was older. So I'm not saying I won. I don't remember like a, you know if I had like a win loss record, but chances are if I won, it was somebody was letting me win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I didn't know how to play, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. Who knows? <laughs> Rule number one, never remember. Never remember. <laughs> I don't know. If you teach me poker, maybe I can try to learn chess and we can just exchange that. <laughs> there you go. Back with Saeed and Mikhail. Saeed asks what happened to the rest of Dharma, and Mikhail says they're all dead after the Purge, which I believe this is the first mention of the Purge. Yep. And I remember that piqued my interest a lot. Yep. This is also, uh, as you're about to, probably about to say, too, they talk about the truce, first mention of the truce. Uh, they talk about, uh, well, even though it's a, a fake story, it's always interesting that uh, Mikhail says, you know, like, the they came, you know, the others came after the purge to talk to him. And they said, imagine a line, you know, and as long as he doesn't cross that line, all will be well. And we're like, oh, crap, we've heard that before. Again, the producers, the writers and stuff like that, they knew how to toy with our minds to kind of, they're like, all right, let's throw back. Let's have this call back to the line, which we saw at the hunting party. It's something that the others, well, now they're trying to establish it as this is what the others do. They create lines. And as long as you don't cross that line, you're fine. And so it, it, it tries to push us towards Mikhail is Dharma, you know, like that he did get visited by others. You know, he, responded to an ad that dharma had before and uh i love it i love it and you're right and it's one of those things where it's i mean yes they absolutely know and they love they love to toy with the emotions but it's one of those things as as we've talked about you and i and and various guests on the show we've talked about the fact that lost is very much an experience not just a tv show for some people it's a tv show but for us we like to think of it as an experience because we do pick apart a lot of these things and that's one of those things where if you remember it it enhances the experience if you if if it makes you think about like oh right these imaginary boundaries that they create all the time or whatever and because he's using it from their or from you know what would be Dharma's point of view, and he even refers to them as the hostels versus you know like uh, you know obviously he wouldn't know them as the others, but we come to find out. Uh, and I th- actually the hostels is a term Dharma uses. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. So like there's all these things that you know, like you said, it it's definitely trying to lead us towards, okay, he is Dharma because there's these certain things that we know, like he's, he's saying about the, the others or the hostels or the natives, as some people call them as well. Like he's using them in like opposite of himself. But if you don't necessarily remember that it still plays because it's just like, okay, it seems strange that they would do that. Cause that, actually like leaving him alone seems unlikely but it based i mean if you don't if you didn't necessarily remember that line from the hunting party where it's like oh okay you know don't cross this line it still seems plausible mixed with everything else absolutely so yeah as you said you know the uh they came uh you know took two cows and that was their truce 
Kate asks why they weren't interested in the satellite dish, and Mikhail says that it hasn't worked in years. When Saeed asks who the hostels are, Mikhail claims he doesn't know, but that they've been around a very long time before anyone else. Saeed then screams as Mikhail takes the bullet out of his arm. In flashback, Saeed is walking down a street in Paris near the Eiffel Tower and walks into Sammy's restaurant. He sees a group of men and asks for Sammy. Uh, Sammy enters and asks Najeev his thoughts on the restaurant. A woman who, I cannot remember the wife's name, it's his. It's Sammy's wife. Uh, 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 Sammy introduces her as his wife and that she's in charge of the kitchen. I can't remember her name at the moment because I didn't write it down. Amira. Uh, Amira, thank you. Uh, Saeed shakes her hands and notices burns all over her arms. One of the men then grabs Saeed and Sammy asks asks his wife if she's sure this is the man, which she confirms. Saeed tries to talk his way out of it before the men beat him down with Sammy delivering a kick to his face. I, I, I always like seeing Saeed get into fights and stuff. So, I mean, like, I was like, come on, give it to him, Saeed. And it didn't last long enough. Again, I'm the action guy. So I'm like, all right, Saeed, take six people at once. You could do it. And then it ends pretty Where's quickly. Where's that crazy breakdancing move that we know you could do because we see it later this year? <laughs> exactly. Snap some necks, you know, like. <laughs> Back in the flame, Mikhail uh, takes the bullet and sets it down. The gray cat then scratches at a rug. And Mikhail speaks to her in Russian, which, according to Lostpedia, translates as... Go ahead, Jake. When he uh, translates or talks to the cat? Yeah, come on, Mr. Lostpedia. Lostpedia doesn't have that in the article. In the transcript, it does. And it says... Because I didn't watch, I'm sorry, I didn't watch with the subtitles. So maybe the subtitles had it, but I don't know. I looked at the transcript. And according to Lostpedia, it translates as, leave the carpet, Nadia. They do a very good job uh, when it comes to the translations, especially the Russian translations in this episode, which I will talk about later because there's another, there is something that is translated on Lostpedia later on in the episode. But it, it, it works, you know, I mean, sometimes things can get mixed up when you translate from one language to another, but I think they did a very good job. I don't know if somebody on the the crew knew Russian or if they hired somebody to do it or whatever, but it, it, it turned out very well. Saeed asks what Mikhail said and asks about the name Nadia, which Mikhail says is after Nadia Komenichi, the greatest athlete the world has ever known, he says. They share the same Which we birthday. all know is not true anyways, because Sean Johnson is the greatest gymnast. I won't say greatest athlete, but greatest gymnast the world has ever known. Oh, this is that girl you go on and on about, right? My wife, yes. Yes, yes. okay. I've, I knew I heard the name, and I especially now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard Jake talk about her before because he listens to me talk about all of my celebrity crushes. So he's just like, you have, and he'll list a bunch of them. He'll, he'll, he'll be like, you have this one. He's like, all I need is this one. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, by this point, Mikhail has sewn up Saeed's wound and offers them some iced tea and says that he'll go check on Locke. At the computer, Locke is still playing and loses when the computer gets a checkmate on him. Mikhail walks in and tells him not to waste his time and that for 10 years he's tried to win, but it was programmed by three grandmasters and it cheats. And Locke retorts that he's played with a lot of computers and they don't know how to cheat. It's a distinctly human trait. And Mikhail exits. Now, uh, 
it, it was interesting. I was thinking about this because uh, Andy and I have talked, not Lost related, but we've talked where he said that like there are certain subjects for podcasts that he would really like to get into, like in terms of like artificial intelligence and all that sort of stuff, which I'm not intelligent to be able to hold a conversation like that. But it got me thinking while I was doing these notes. And I'm just like, I wonder if now with how far AI has gotten and how far they think it will get, like how they project it to go, if artificial intelligence will be able to cheat or if you have to program it to cheat. Hmm. I'm not sure. I've never uh, thought deep into AI myself, uh, except that it will probably kill us all one day. But I guess... uh... Yeah, I guess when Skynet becomes active, it'll definitely have the ability to cheat. Let us know what you think, listeners, at Clockshelves on Twitter. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Back on Kate and Saeed, Kate says how none of this makes sense, and she questions why the hostels would randomly let Mikhail stay. And Saeed says that it makes perfect sense, because this man isn't Dharma, he's a hostel. She gets nervous and asks why Saeed is so calm and why they're still sitting here. He tells her that he's certain that Mikhail is not there alone. And, of course, again, the first time I watched it, I was so happy that I was watching it on ABC's website. I didn't really have to deal with commercials. I could just, I mean, it's the same thing we have now with DVDs and and Netflix or Hulu or what have you. But I just remember being so happy that I'm just like, I don't have to wait for a commercial. All right, just get going because I want to know what happens. (laughs) Back on the beach, Sawyer is getting ready to face Hurley, who he calls Grimace in ping pong. Hurley asks about the mercy rule, meaning if one of them goes up with a larger number of points, it's an automatic win, and Sawyer chuckles but agrees. Hurley offers to volley for serve, but Sawyer, too cocky once again, lets him have it. Everyone cheers Hurley on. Hurley serves and gets an easy point on Sawyer, and then he goes to serve again. Again, this is one of those scenes where, like, it's fun, it's whatever, but, like, it's not necessarily, to me, the meat of the episode. It sets up, like I like I mentioned before, it sets up the thing of, like, you know, we know the foreshadowing thing. Like, we know what's going to happen because they made it a point to say a week. We know how time operates within terms of the show. But I got to say, when watching it, it was I was like, okay, this is fun. Now let's get back to Mikhail, basically. that's how Yeah, I- sometimes it's tough. I- I, I, I like the comedy in Lost. It's another one of the aspects I really enjoy about Lost. But uh, sometimes you almost don't want it in the, thi- uh, the thick of a, a, a strong mythology episode or an action-y episode. Because as you said, you're right. I, I, you're, it's not the meat of the episode. There is bigger things going on right now that you really want to get back to. And you're like, okay, I, I may be able to skip the commercials, but I sure as heck can't skip right now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you really want to get back to the the bigger definitely that a story and that's that's nothing against them because of course everybody basically sawyer and hurley are two of almost everybody's favorite characters so it's not anything against them it's just like i said it's just a matter of it's not the story i want right at this moment like you said like when you're in the thick of it yeah you know if if they would have done this in a different episode it, it I mean, it, it worked in a way here, but it could have worked anywhere. It would still been funny. It's still two characters we all know and love, but not right now. <laughs> it's. I mean, if it had been, if it had been the A story, like when when Jack and Sawyer were playing poker, 
you know, and like they were trading barbs back and forth. But it was basically that was one of the main plots of that episode because Jack was like, I'm determined to get my money back. Sawyer was like, I'm determined to show up Jack. You know, like if it was that sort of scene, I would get it. But yeah, it's it's I I want Mikhail in this episode. Back at the flame, Mikhail brings tea to Kate and Saeed. He apologizes for the potential bitterness, but Saeed assures him that any tea is good tea, and Kate comments that it's been a long time since they've seen ice. Saeed then begins to question some wires he saw around the station, and Mikhail confirms that this is the hub and that all other stations are connected to this one, including one that runs into the ocean, and it's a beacon underwater that helps guide vessels, submarines, to the island. He says Dharma used a submarine to bring them to the island, but he can only imagine that the hostiles have it now and commandeered it or destroyed it or something, and Saeed mentions that they must have used it to get Uh, around their sailboat so easily. Mikhail questions the boat, but Saeed confirms that they lost it to uh, to the hostels, but at least they were able to kill one of the hostels. And Saeed and Kate exchange looks with Mikhail, each side waiting for a reaction from the other. Mikhail finally confirms all this by asking why they're still playing this game, quote, when we all know it has moved to the next stage. That's one of my favorite deliveries of a line from him. Yes. Like, I just love that. He then throws the pitcher of tea against the wall and attacks them. He and Saeed struggle, but Kate holds the rifle to Mikhail, and Locke comes out with his gun drawn as well, and Saeed yells to get some rope. There you go. There's your action scene, Jake. Uh, I needed more, and then, of course, Locke late to the fight, you know. Uh, <laughs> if, if, like, now, like, if Mikhail could have took the three of them on, oh, that would have been a... Uh, uh, I probably would have like cried tears of joy at that scene. Oh, <laughs> in flashback, it's Saeed who's chained to the floor in the stockroom of the restaurant. I do like that. The when they when they do stuff like that, uh, juxtaposition. You know, there. Yeah, uh, Sammy... juxtaposition. There, I can be the professor. Juxtaposition. <laughs> Sammy brings in a bowl of water and tells Saeed to drink, which he does. Sammy asks if Saeed was a torturer with the Republican Guard and why he doesn't recognize one of his victims, Sammy's wife. Saeed says he's never seen her before and that they must be confused. Sammy says his wife was arrested for harboring an enemy of the state held for three months while tortured, and her arms bear those scars. He then calls him Najiv once more. But Saeed admits now that this is not his name. He is Saeed Jarrah. He was in the Republican Guard and he was an interrogator, but he's never seen Sammy's wife. He claims to remember the face of everyone he's ever tortured, but she is not one of them. Sammy says that his wife remembers Saeed's face so well that she recognized it from a glimpse when walking by the restaurant. He wants Saeed to admit what he did or he'll leave the room in a bag. Now, do you do you think like uh, whether Saeed did or didn't torture her, do you think Saeed should have just been like, yeah, I did it. Like if that's what it takes to get me free. Yeah, I did it. Or does do you think that maybe Saeed thought by admitting uh, that he did torture her that like he would kill Saeed? You know that the husband would kill Saeed? Because I mean, like I wrote down, I'm like, look, if all he had to do was admit that he did it, and like 
maybe you just admit it. You know, but you're, you're, like, you're, you're realistically, this is a guy who will have other people hold you, knock you out, and then this man mm-hmm. will chain you into the stock room of his restaurant. Is he really someone that you're going to trust that if you just admit this thing, oh, yeah, okay, you admitted it, I'll let you go now? That's why I was torn, right? Because I was going to say, it, it, you're right, it, it could have gone one of two ways, and I think maybe that's why Saeed didn't admit it, because you're right, he could have said, yeah, I was the one that tortured her, and then would have been like, all right, well, I'm torturing your ass now. You know, like, uh, it, it could have gone one of two ways, so that's why I was. I wrote down the note, I saw both sides of it, but I was like, yeah, I'll ask Paul what he thinks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I think that it was just a matter of he was waiting because especially because at being a torturer, you he would know like, OK, all they've done is they've chained me up right now. And now they've given me water, which after a certain po- I would think this is how I'm not saying this is how I would torture someone because I don't want to have that out there. But uh, I would think that, <laughs> I would think the logic. I'm taking, the only- I'm taking notes, but yes. <laughs> well, Jake, I already have you chained up in the clock shelves basement, so <laughs> Um, I know exactly how you would torture somebody. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jake, it's podcast time. No! <laughs> For anybody who wants to know a little bit more about that Jake, reference. Jake, I have a pilot idea. Leave me alone! <laughs> For everybody who wants to know more about that reference, go listen to uh, the Paul and All episode, My Best Friend Tried Stealing My Job. Um, <laughs> but, no, um... I think it would be where, and again, I would think that Saeed would think this way as well, having been a torturer. Like, okay, you know, uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna treat you a little badly at first, but realistically, it's like it's like when you see a police interrogation. You know, they wanna they you know they they lock you in this secure room, they have you handcuffed, but then they offer you a drink, and of course, you know, they offer you this, and they're just like, oh, we just we, we're we're your friend, you know, we're your buddy, we just we just want to get some information. That's all, you know. Good cop, bad cop, it yeah, a little. Exactly. And so then after that, if he still says no, then it's like, okay, uh, maybe we don't give him water for a day. Maybe that will make him talk. And then like we, as we see the next one of the next times, Sammy starts to beat him, you know, and it just escalates. So either way, at least on the first day, if I was Saeed, I wouldn't necessarily say anything whether he believes him that he'll let him go or whether he doesn't because partly because I would think he would want to see like, okay, how serious is this guy? How far is he willing to go with this? Because we know how far Saeed is willing to go. So as a fellow torturer, he may be thinking, how far is this guy willing to go? And then when the time is right, I will admit it or I'll stick to my guns and, you know, I'll take whatever, whatever happens. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can see that. Like I said, I, w- I was curious your opinion on it, definitely. Uh, I, I saw it either way. Yeah. Back at the flame, the A-team tie up Mikhail, who is knocked out. Kate says, or asks, how, asks Saeed how he knew Mikhail isn't alone, and he says that there's a horse set up outside for a rider smaller than Mikhail himself. He says he believes the others lost communication and sent someone to get answers. Locke suggests this happened when the sky turned purple before saying the other other is very good at hiding because he checked every nook and cranny. Saeed then pulls the rug that Nadia the cat was tugging at before and reveals a door in the floor. 
He then looks at John and tells him, and this is, again, uh, as much as I like that line delivered by me, Kyle, I love this line where Saeed says, not every nook and cranny, John. Now, have you, uh, I'm sure you have seen the bloopers. Do you remember one of the bloopers about this scene right here? Doesn't he yell it like overly dramatic where he's just like, not every nook and cranny. <laughs> and, he, and he pulls out his, because I mean, uh, Naveen and is a British accent, so he like he really pulls out that British accent. Yeah, you know, Locke delivers, you know, Terry O'Quinn delivers it normal, but then yeah, <laughs> she's just not every nook and cranny, John, and just dramatically pulls the carpet back. I didn't remember <laughs> it until you said it, but yes, I have seen that. And I, yes, I love that. Oh, maybe that's, that's why it sticks out that in scene my comes mind. To of, mind. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's every why. nook and cranny, John. <laughs> is that your British voice? <laughs> A little bit, yeah, because again, it was a dramatic British voice as well. Oh, I'm just no, I'm just waiting for Andy or Andrew or any of oh, them to hear it. Slaughter it. They'll slaughter it. I will never like put it, try to seriously, seriously do a British accent, but it's bad. <laughs> In flashback, Sammy walks into the storage room with a chair and his wife, and he also has a weapon. The wife sits down, and Sammy asks Saeed if he's ready to tell the truth, but Saeed insists that he already has. Sammy then hits him with the weapon, but Saeed insists that he doesn't know her and wouldn't torture a woman. He then asks if this will do any good getting him to confess to something he didn't do. Sammy says that his wife confessed to something she didn't do. She confessed after Saeed poured boiling water over her arms. Uh, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. I wrote, there are many other, no, I didn't, confess, followed by a bunch of hitting th- scenes in this whole thing. I didn't document every one. So I'm just saying, like, they are in there. I didn't say, like, then he hits him. Then he says confess. Then, he, you know, like, I wasn't going to go that far with it. Um, yeah, yeah. I know I take meticulous notes, but not that meticulous. Um, it, I mean, it was repetitive. Again, your notes would have just been like, he got hit. They scream confess. Yeah, exactly. He got hit. <laughs> Saeed yeah. says, I didn't do anything. He got hit. Yeah. Uh, Saeed finally says he cannot admit to something he didn't do. And as Sammy goes to hit him one final time, the wife stops him, saying that it's been enough for today. And Sammy says that he'll see Saeed tomorrow. Back on the island at the flame, Locke and Saeed, I'm I'm sorry, Kate and Saeed go into the basement and they notice the flame Dharma logo. Upstairs, Locke is watching Mikhail as the computer in the other room is taunting him by continuously saying, your move. Downstairs, Kate and Saeed see a box on the wall which Saeed confirms is explosives. The whole place is wired to blow. Upstairs, Locke goes towards the computer and resumes his chess game. Downstairs, Saeed sees uh, Dharma notebooks and one that specifically says operations manual. Oh, this scene gets me uh, a bit, too. Like, he starts pulling some binders, and you can see that there's tons of books and binders. And, like, I put in my notes in all capital letters, so much Dharma knowledge. Like, like I wish I, wish I was there, because I would have just been like, hey, let's take a seat and just read these. Or, like, I'm going to take this and build a Dharma library. Like, you know, like, anything that... It seemed like almost any sort of uh, anything with Dharma operations or their procedures were in those damn notebooks. And like you could have learned like about stations you didn't know about or anything like, oh, there was so much knowledge there. It's like it's almost like having the blast door map where you see the blast door map and you're like, there's so much knowledge. There's so much about Dharma stations and stuff. And I bet there was so much about Dharma stations in those binders. And I would have loved to have them. I was well. It, I I've said about it before. I'm. I was thinking maybe that's how uh, how Mikhail knew. You know, I, 
I, I understand your point, but like I was saying, like maybe that's how he knew about the, you know, would you like to save the world? I thought maybe that was one of their catchphrases or something. But yeah, it's it's just such a shame that like somebody didn't take some of them to I mean, yeah, they took like the maps and stuff, but like it I mean, it doesn't look like they took much of anything. I mean, I guess part of it was like not well, much. It was yeah, it was importance again. Like, do they really care? You know, depending on. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of um, not important stuff in those things. You know, yeah. as, as those binders as well. So I, I get it, but important again, to Jake, if Jake, but no one else. If Jake would have been on the island, I would have been like, guys, let's just take a day or two. I'm sure Jack's fine. Like, you know, or I'll catch <laughs> I'll catch up with you later. Like, let me get one of those pearl notebooks and just start taking notes or something. You know, like you guys, I'm you sure guys Jack go. Jack is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jack's fine. Like, like, let's be real. I am not shit compared to the four of you. You go be the A team. I'll be the Jake. Well, that's true. Just... I'm thinking. I'm like, why would you be on the A team mission to begin <laughs> yeah. with? Yeah, like, I'm not even sure how I got here. <laughs> be like, I don't, I don't know if you just needed like a distraction. Like, I get killed first while you guys do the heroic stuff or what. But like, I'm not going to be another Doctor Arts and just die. Well, no, you, you guys go do your thing. No, you would be the one in this mission. You would be the one who would be there. And like when Mikhail was like, he threw the the pitcher and he attacked the two of them. And then like we see like he, Mikhail is knocked out. John's watching over him. Like you would be the one who's also knocked out where they're just like, uh, Kate and Saeed are like, um, okay, we're going to go down into the basement. Uh, John, you watch Mikhail. And if Jake ever wakes up, like tell him, you know, like at Set least him we down, got him. You know, yeah. So, or I, or I'd be the guy too, like almost like Locke, where they fight or whatever like that, and then like Locke comes out after like Mikhail's been knocked out, and like, but me coming out, like I would have been listening, and I would be like, all right, I think the fight's over, and then I jump out, and I'm like, I'm here, I'm here to help, help guys. Like, I'm here to help, but like the situation's already been taken care of, and I'm like, oh darn, sorry, I was so slow, guys, like purposely trying to like not get myself involved. Or like I would have been the guy, been like, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm gonna go with Russo to the creek, and then they were like, no, 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 you gotta come to the flame too, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, ju- I would have just written you as the guy who like you're the one that Mikhail knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, yeah, like I would, or it would have been like the scene where like I, uh, I got like my fists up or something, I'm ready, and then he just like one punch like <laughs> knocks me out. <laughs> like I don't I mean, even get like any cool move, need, move or something. Move. I just... we need to establish that Mikhail is tough. So he needs to hit. Yes, he needs to hit somebody and take somebody one out. One punch so. KO. Yeah, <laughs> and that that would be that would easily be me. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'd probably wake up like, ow! <laughs> like a child. I like this whole weak, weak Jake. Yeah, like like uh, he hit me. <laughs> so whiny. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what I would be is like this whiny, weak character that I don't know how I get like put into these sit- A team situations when I can't handle them. And yet, you know that would be am. your nickname too. Like not even What's nickname that? from Sawyer, but like your nickname online, they would call you like whiny Jake. <laughs> like, whiny Jake. <laughs> oh, great! It's a whiny Jake centric episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's. <laughs> oh what is what is what Paulo poops a lot and whiny Jake gonna do this week? Oh, well, there we go. There's another lost spinoff that I want. <laughs> Paulo poops a lot and whiny Jake. Oh dear, that's uh, <laughs> that's not gonna last long. <laughs> uh, 
Um, upstairs, Locke makes a move that finally means he wins the chess game. After some music plays, the computer appears to glitch, but it isn't a glitch. It's a video of Dr. Marvin Candle, who tells him that he can order a pallet drop by entering 2-4, station uplink with 3-2, or mainland communication with 3-8. Locke tries this one, but is told that communications are down. He can try sonar with 5-6, but that's inoperable as well. Candle prompts him that if this station has been taken over by the hostiles, enter 7-7, thus giving us our title of the episode. I thought this was uh, interesting as well, these codes here and how Locke got to them. Locke had to beat the chess game to get any of these options to show up. So Mikhail states earlier that he thinks the computer cheats. It was made by grandmasters. So that makes the game relatively difficult. Or like if, if you or I were stationed there and they were like, yeah, you know, if you want food, like because a pallet drop is food, you want your food? You got to beat the game and enter 2 4. Well, like, I'm going to die trying, apparently. Like, I'm not going to get my food ever. Or, like, hey, you need to communicate with the mainland. Like, you know, you got to beat the game. Or, like, you have to, if the hostiles get there, you have to somehow survive the hostile attack, beat the chess game, and then you're able to press enter 7 7 to, you know, what we see blow up the station. Like, that's too much work to get to those steps. I think you're taking it too much at face value. I once all once everything was like became clear that Mikhail was was actually an uh you know an other or a hostile and once Locke beat it and all this stuff, I was I immediately went, Okay, that's not the case. I took it what do you, as what do you mean what's not the case? I took it as Mikhail said this to Locke, and as Locke says later, now I know why you didn't want me to play the game. Because eventually, because I don't think it necessarily was programmed by three grandmasters. I think Mikhail was trying to deter him from playing because he didn't want him to find out that if you win, it goes to one of these screens. Because as we see downstairs, Saeed has the operations manual. So chances are, I would assume, and again, this is all just assumption on my part, but I would assume that somewhere within that book, it would give you either a quick way to win the game so that this could happen, or some sort of cheat code to quickly get to that screen. I I immediately took it as, okay, everything Mikhail said about it's programmed by three grand masters and it cheats and and that that logic of it would take forever to actually you know have dharma stuff on this computer i threw that out the window as mikhail's just lying because he doesn't want his cover blown that's very possible sure um i i could roll with that too but let's say fine let's say it wasn't programmed by three grandmasters and Let's go as far as saying maybe there isn't even a cheat code in those operations manual. I mean, you just said you don't know how to play chess, so like you might learn pretty quickly if you're just going to sit at this computer for hours on on hours, but like it wouldn't come easy. Like you know, it's still not going to be the easiest thing ever like just to get a pallet drop. Like, you know, or, no, or I'm again, not, the... I'm not saying it would be easy, but it may it may have been where like okay if i don't know how to play chess like yeah it may take me a little bit and okay that's you know it may yes it may take you know but chances are if you're in that desperate need for a food that's why i would think there would be some other uh some other code or something within one of those countless notebooks or binders downstairs especially because 
like he said, this this station is to communicate with the outside world. So I highly doubt that the entire thing, the entire station was set up so that the only way to communicate with the outside world was by beating a chess game. And we actually, I could, I could almost say that a little further because I don't remember if it's the same computer, but we know that uh, when we see this station at another point when uh, Ben and Juliet go there, like right after the plane has crashed, they go... They go not long after he sends out uh, Ethan and Goodwin to the opposite ends of the island, and they go to the flame station, and Mikhail is already on the ball with getting the information on our survivors. So do we, whether he knows chess incredibly well or not, do we really think that he sat there and played a full game of chess just to you know, have the satellite uplink work? Right. I mean, you may be right. But I wish there was a confirmation on that. You know, I would I would have loved to known. Yeah, there's a cheat way to it. I would have loved to know, know what the cheat way was or whatever like that. But um, I wish there was for sure confirmation because that's that's what I got. Like because that's all I saw was just a chess game, and that's how he got to the options. Right. Like I said, I and again, it was I'm I'm. I'm saying like straight up, it was pure assumption on my part. I'm not saying yeah. like whatever I'm saying is canon. It's my own personal head canon, but it's not. Well, like the said. guy didn't say it. Wayne didn't say it. So it's it's you know it's not canon because you know and, and <laughs> when when Wayne has these great theories, they they become canon. I don't know. Maybe I'll message him later and he'll just be like, oh well, I thought that. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him my theory and he'll be like, oh yeah, well I thought that was obvious that I didn't need to state it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> As Locke is about to enter 7-7, Mikhail comes and holds a knife to his throat, telling him to keep his voice low and hands in front of him. Downstairs, Kate finds a rack of shirts, but a woman suddenly jumps out and attacks her. It's Miss Clue. Saeed draws his rifle and tells her to stop and asks what she's doing there. Kate says that she was on the dock when they were taken, and she could tell them where Jack is. Saeed asks if anyone else is there, but she doesn't answer, and he decides to take her upstairs. As they come up, they can't find Locke, and upon yelling for him, he yells back that he's outside. When they go out, Mikhail is holding a gun to Locke while Kate and Saeed have Miss Clue. Mikhail demands that they let Miss Clue go, and then he'll let Locke go, but Locke tells them not to listen. He believes Mikhail won't kill him because he would be dead already. And much like the scene earlier with, you know, confess, no, I didn't do it, whatever. I, I wrote again, after an exchange amongst all of them between do it, don't do it, etc., Clue finally speaks up in Russian and tells Mikhail he knows what to do. They then exchange more words in Russian, which I was looking at the transcript. I didn't write it all down, but it's it's many things of like... Uh, she tells him there's only one way not to let them get into the territory and that he knows what to do. And at one point, Locke even yells to not let them talk to each other. But Clue keeps telling Mikhail he knows what to do. Mikhail then pushes Locke out of the way and shoots Clue. He then attempts to kill himself, but Locke stops him before Mikhail headbutts Locke. Saeed moves in and knocks Mikhail down, holding his gun on him. Mikhail begs for Saeed to shoot him, but after a few seconds, Saeed will not do it. Yeah, again, this this is that part where, again, the translations do very well. Um, I mean, you, you summed it all up, is that they, you know, Clue 
argues as to why she needs to be shot. You know, like they they can't risk the survivors learning more. And then Mikhail doesn't want to do it, but then they finally do do it. And uh, again, the, the translation makes very good sense. Absolutely. Back at the beach, Sawyer is alone when Hurley approaches him. He fake apologizes for beating him, and Sawyer claims that he was hustled. Hurley says he had a table when he was younger, and he starts to say that he played at the institution, but he stops himself. And he mentions a slam that won't do long-term damage to Sawyer's forehead. (laughs) That one makes me laugh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer then angrily asks what he wants, and Hurley says he brought his stuff. He then throws an adult magazine at Sawyer because he knows that he needs stuff. Which, that one makes me laugh even more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Hurley tells him that he knows that Sawyer is worried about Kate, but that she'll be okay. Sawyer sarcastically thanks him for the pep talk before going to call him a nickname, but Hurley cuts him off, saying it's Hurley or Hugo. He then says, get bent, Hugo. (laughs) I like how Sawyer can still uh, spit venom in a way. Like, you know, he still says, like, get bent. You know, like, (laughs) he doesn't have to use a nickname there. Like, it's still just that Sawyer sting to it. And it's funny because I'm, I'm realizing uh, in the previous episode, uh, Dan mentioned how that one, it seemed like there was almost more Sawyer nicknames than ever before. And there was actually one particular scene where he just like spewed several of them in a row. Like it was just the whole scene where it was just like almost every word he said was a nickname for something. And uh, it's, I'm realizing now the, the fact that this next the episode after that, this one, how they were just like, okay, well, now we're going to stop having him use nicknames for a week. And, of course, it's that's what he ends up having to do for a week, which is now going to be however long, depending on how the show is. That would be the conclusion of the foreshadowing from earlier. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm just realizing that now, the fact that the previous episode, he had a lot of them. And as of the very next episode, it's like, oh, you're not allowed to use them now for a while. It's all about balance. <laughs> at the flame, Locke is at the computer and Kate is downstairs. She yells, asking if he's ready to go. And he says he'll be a minute. Candle once again on the computer asks if there's been an incursion by the hostels and to enter 7-7. Outside, Saeed is walking with a gun to Mikhail and yelling for Danielle. He then asks Mikhail if he ever actually was a member of Dharma, if everything was a lie, and then he realizes that he's just wasting his breath. Mikhail says he was never Dharma, but everything else was true. Saeed asks... Confirmed by the producers. What do you mean? That uh, Mikhail was never Dharma initiative, but everything else was true. Oh, okay. Um... Saeed asks about the purge and says he doesn't believe that scientists attacked the others. And Mikhail tells him that he can believe whatever he wants to believe. Danielle comes in asking if Mikhail killed Locke and Kate. But Saeed says that they're just grabbing supplies. But now they have a ticket to where the others live. Alex, Jack, and maybe even away off the island. Mikhail says he will not be that ticket. But Saeed says that it isn't Mikhail. He then grabs a map and points out the electrical cables leading to a place called the Barracks. And then he says that it seems like a place worth visiting. And that was where I was just like, yes! And I mean, not because from a Dharma Mm -hmm. perspective more like you, but more from like a other's mythology perspective. (laughs) 
Oh, I was the same way. Exactly. Like this is uh, this is the next step in in the in this chapter is heading towards the barracks. You know, that's part of the mission now. And so I was like, whatever happens here, I'm in. Yeah. See, like this is where I think I mean, yes, like technically they had to go through that. But like I always just think of like I said earlier, I always just think of most of this episode as like a little side mission that except for getting these maps didn't really help didn't really do much you know like i think they probably could have found the barracks on their own it may have taken a little bit longer but i don't think they necessarily needed to do this little side mission like i said that was my whole thing with danielle where at the end of the previous episode you know kate's just like i need help and like you said they set up like these four badasses and then by the very next episode danielle's just like yeah this this little part of the mission i don't want to be a part of and i was just like i get it go back to the main mission go find jack bring him home blah 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 mikhail says that once saeed's guard is down he will not hesitate to kill him and danielle asks why they're actually keeping him alive at all In flashback, Sammy's wife enters the storage room with a gray cat and sits in the chair. She gives a giant monologue about how when she and Sammy first moved to Paris, she was afraid to leave their apartment. She saw this cat in their alley looking for scraps. Some children trapped the cat and lit firecrackers into the box that it was trapped, and she could hear the howls from three stories up. So she rescued the cat. He is her companion, sits when she reads, naps with her, etc. But once in a while, he will bite or scratch because he forgets that he's safe. She also knows what it's like to never feel safe, and that's because of Saeed. She only wants one thing from him. Show her the respect of admitting that he questioned her, tortured her, and remembers her. Saeed then breaks down crying, admitting everything. He says that her face has haunted him since he left Iraq. He apologizes several times. She says that she forgives him, and when Sammy returns, she will lie that she made a mistake. She'll tell Sammy it was not Saeed who tortured her, and he will be released. Saeed asks why, and she says that everyone is capable of what the boys did to the cat, but she will not be that. And I always take that, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I always love that because she kind of gives that tone where she's just like, I won't be you. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Back on the island, at the flame, Danielle has a gun to Mikhail telling Saeed that they should kill him because he would kill them. Saeed says Mikhail is his prisoner and he will decide Mikhail's fate. Locke finally exits and Saeed mentions about taking anything. Locke says he was stuck on the chess game and tells Mikhail he understands why he tried to deter him from playing. That's That goes along with what I said before. Saeed says he doesn't understand and suddenly the flame explodes. Saeed asks John what he's done, that, uh, that the flame was their hope of communication. Locke says the computer told him if there was an incursion by the hostiles to enter 7-7, so he did. Saeed says they should leave before the explosion attracts attention. As they're leaving, Saeed shines his light on the gray cat once more. Yeah, Locke can luckily play kind of dumb there because he didn't go downstairs and see all that C4. So he can just be like, I pressed 7-7. How the hell was I? No, it was going to explode, you know. Yeah, he can up until about an episode or two from now. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my very last note on this episode. Yeah, I meant to ask a little earlier, but what are your thoughts on this clue? I don't really have. I thought I I I'm wondering if she was supposed to be a little bit bigger. I believe I said it in a previous episode, like after 
you know, we always thought Tom was was in charge, and then it like we saw that like his beard was fake, and then we saw her being in charge at the fake um, camp that Michael went to, and so I. And then she calls Tom out on his beard being fake when they're at the dock or whatever. So I wonder if she was kind of like Tom in the sense of like she was in Ben's inner circle. She was one of his trusted lieutenants. You know, uh, uh, Liam mentioned that he thinks that like Juliet was, of course, in that. Uh, obviously, Richard would be in that trusted circle. Tom, probably Ethan. Um, but I would say that Miss Clue was probably in there as well, uh, pretty high ranking, but we didn't really get to expand much on her character past these like three appearances or so. So I never really had much of an opinion one way or the other. Yeah, that, I'm in the same boat as, as you on that one where I feel like you're right. She was probably higher up there than she, I think she should have got more screen time. One of my like, uh, uh, criticisms i guess uh, about how they do the others is they'll introduce uh miss clue for instance or uh isabella sheriff or harper or something like that and they don't get closure as characters where like well, well we have closure I, we got we have closure on isabel we got that we do have closure on isabel <laughs> but to me that was a bullshit closure like let me see it then Go grab that actress who hasn't done anything since Lost, at least as far as I know, because I don't follow up or whatever, who hasn't done anything big, and and show her dying. Like, yeah, she. I know she didn't make it past the season three finale, but, like, let me see it. Let, or let the casual viewer see it instead of being, like, hung up on, like, well, what the heck? We got one episode out of a sheriff. Like, you think somebody with the title of sheriff is uh, a higher Not up. literally she, Jake. Well, it, to paraphrase they, they Tom. Much, yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much compared her to Sheriff, and uh, um, you think that's high up. or Well, she's running a damn court, you know, like she's a judge or something, like, you know, like being the judge of that, that courtroom or whatever. And um, you think that she would have had a bigger part. Again, Harper, what, that's a whole slew of things I could rant about. But I don't know. I'm In a way, I'm, I'm glad they brought Clue back at least to show her dying so we can be like, ah, oh, that's not a big, you know, I guess it's not a big deal or whatever, but uh, she was high up that I thought she should have maybe stuck around a little longer. I don't, I don't know. Didn't really care. Didn't really care for the character too much, but yeah. Maybe not even stuck around a little longer, but maybe more like Tom or an Ethan where even making some post-death appearances. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have been okay with that too, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I always thought maybe she was in the inner circle because like she she was trusted enough that she was in she like okay let's put it this way she was trusted enough that she was not only basically in charge of that fake uh, primitive village with the fake Dharma door, but she made a deal about you know if. uh, Letting letting somebody leave the island. Yeah, exactly. One that Ben was willing to stick to. Partly, yep. and I mean, he could have easily, uh, you know, unlike when he made the deal with Jack, where like he made the deal of "I will let you go," and he says to Locke in an episode or two, you know, like I have a pro, or I, at some point he says, I don't remember when, but it's basically it's like I have a problem. I can't let my people know that I'm a liar, but I also don't want him to actually leave the island. If I kill him, I'm cheating, you know, whatever. 
And so he's he's glad that Locke is there and, you know, he basically manipulates Locke or whatever. But to the point where he could have easily played it off as like, I'm in charge. I didn't make this deal. So it's a no go. We're going to kidnap, you know, we're going to re kidnap you. We're going to keep Walt. We're going to kidnap your friends. You know what I mean? He could have easily done that because he didn't make the deal. But she was high up enough that she was not only able to make this deal, but that he. Even though he said, I don't like the terms of the deal, it was one that he was willing to follow through on. So she had to be pretty high up in the circle of trust, basically, in terms of the hierarchy of the others. I agree. I mean, she she knew about the whole Walt project, the Room 23 project. Um, you know, she was trusted with going over to the flame to see what was up with that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I get that she was important. Um, that's for sure. I'm just I, I'm kind of glad they got closure. I would have loved to see her do more higher up stuff, whether it was through flashbacks or whatever. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of curious your thoughts on her. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, 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 I said I haven't really given it much thought, but apparently I guess I have. It was just like stuff that <laughs> randomly got connected in my mind. And because I, I honestly I don't think I've ever like thought about it, thought about it. I think it was probably just like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And I just put it together that it just plays as one thing in my mind it's just not something i've necessarily like sat here going okay well what about this and what about that or whatever but yeah mm-hmm. um do we have anything else on the episode enter seven seven any interesting notes from Lostpedia or anything like that yeah let's get to the uh Lostpedia trivia there's a few things here um this episode takes place on day 77 so okay pretty Interesting thing there. Um, do, 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 do. For those that were very concerned about Clue's horse, it did survive the blast. That was confirmed by producers. So we're not killing animals just yet like that. Um, there was a lot of errors with the chess game, with the the uh, moves that were made, because you know Locke had to type in where each piece he wanted it to go and stuff like that. So I guess there were some errors on those, and I won't get into it because I don't know the game of chess too much. You don't know the game of chess too much, nor do I know really how it rolls on those well, kind no, wait, of computers. That, could that, are these things that are just like obvious chess mishaps, or are they things that could potentially, not that I necessarily want you to read them all, but are they things that could lend to my theory of you don't actually, it's it wasn't programmed by grandmasters? Or is it just, like, straight up, like, he moved pieces the wrong way or whatever? Uh, I think a little bit of both. But take, for instance, this one that may sway one way or another. Um, It says this is Locke's first game with the computer, so we know he loses that first game. Um, There was a move made by the computer, which would not have led to the computer winning. And then even Lostpedia says, but maybe this is why Mikhail says the computer cheats. Because the move made by the computer wasn't a winning move, but the computer said, I, I win. You know, so, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, so maybe the computer does, again, Lostpedia says, maybe this is why the computer, or the Mikhail says the computer cheats. But I think a few of them are just uh, errors on the production side of it. Um, again, a lot of them don't even make sense to me, so, I don't know. Um, but other than that, that's what uh, the, the big things from uh, the trivia. 
I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lost with Friends. Very good episode. Yeah, Jake, why don't you hit them with your social media so they can uh, continue the conversation? Absolutely. So on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram, my handle is JakeLCE. And then on Facebook, it's Jacob Woken. I am following Clock Shelves. I'm following Paul. So just find me there and let's keep the conversation going. And uh, in case anybody wants to hear something a little interesting, I don't often do stuff like this. Um, I mentioned it a little earlier, but in case anyone wants to hear something a little interesting, if you would like to travel to an alternate universe where Jake is the host of Lost with Friends, <laughs> check out one of the more recent, as of this uh upload one of the more recent episodes of Paul and All entitled My Best Friend Tried Stealing My Job or it's something to that effect I can't remember the exact wording but it's something to that effect if you would like to hear an alternative universe where Jake actually hosts Lost with Friends here's the thing though guys after you listen to this episode and you hear me do what I do um, you gotta comment or send a message or something saying if you really liked it or if we should fire Paul, like whatever, and maybe we'll do it. But we got to know. That's the only thing. That's the only way this thing works is you got to give us the feedback. Otherwise, we stick to what we know. Absolutely. Feedback feedback is very important. And for that feedback, you can contact Jake. And I know he'll he'll send out any especially positive messages about himself. He'll send those out forever. Um, Of course. But if whether it's positive or negative, you can contact Jake at his social media, which he just listed. You can contact Clock Shelves on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat at Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. You can find this and all the other podcasts, including the aforementioned Paul and All, on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Clock Shelves. You can find the podcast network on iTunes at Clock Shelves Entertainment Presents. Make sure to rate us and comment stuff on there as well. And... That, I think, is going to do it for this episode of Lost with Friends. Thank you, Jake, once again for being on. Good to be here. And I will end with a traditional thank you, namaste, and good luck. Back to the basement for me. Hey, this is Jorge. Thanks for listening to Lost with Friends. Clock shelves. A great way to pass the time.